Hello, you're listening to Overwhelm is Optional. So in this episode, I want to talk about mindfulness, which I know has become very popular and trendy. Um, But actually, I want to shake it up a bit because I have a real issue with mindfulness as it's... um, portrayed and used in the western world so I just want to talk a bit about how it relates to overwhelm and how it can help you or actually make it a whole lot worse so I'm going to use my experience here and share a little bit about what happened to me so I'm thinking back to a day when in hindsight because hindsight is an amazing thing hey I was actually really struggling really expertly surfing that verge of breakdown I was literally pushing tears down between lessons. This is when I was a very stressed math teacher, but also a really successful math teacher. Um, Because I think those things can coincide or depending on your view of success. So successful as in I was very good at teaching maths. Um, I was very good at my job. I loved my job. I passionately loved my job. I wanted to make it work. Um, But not successful in that. I was doing my health in so yeah we we need to drastically redefine success there don't we but that's a whole nother episode so let's stick to this episode and do that one next time um so mindfulness yeah I'd known about mindfulness for a long time and I was seriously upping my practice of yoga meditation mindfulness self-care all sorts of exciting things that I knew about was investigating and I was trying them all out and you know I really wanted to live fully keep my job and and be super healthy and happy and have fun and you know I wanted a full life who doesn't quite right too so I remember practicing up in my practice of mindfulness and I I have this very very strong memory of walking across my classroom between lessons and um, feeling the ground beneath my feet because I wear Vivo barefoot shoes because I absolutely love them and I can always feel the ground beneath my feet and I was stepping towards the door and I was so aware in that present moment of how deeply unhappy I was, how utterly exhausted I was, how the absolute last thing I wanted to do was open that door and let more kids in the room because I desperately needed a break, how I'd absolutely had enough. So that's my mindful experience there isn't it? I'm I'm really deeply unhappy in this moment and that's the problem with mindfulness when we reduce it to just being in the present moment that's not very helpful I mean it's slightly helpful because not all moments are terrible and if we spend the whole time living in our head which tends to be um, going over and over stuff from the past and forward warning us of all future disasters that we're obviously in the main unable to do much about So being in the present moment's absolutely right, but being just noticing the present moment's not really enough, is it? And that's where it's got lost. And I'm not saying that people who bought it over from Eastern practices and called it mindfulness, and I'm not saying there was mistakes made. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not criticising anyone. I'm just just saying it gets watered down, doesn't it? It gets watered down into this be-all, end-all cure that gets added on to stress. So that's another part of it. It's going to add to your overwhelm if, first of all, it makes you realise just how crap things are at the moment. And secondly, it's going to add to it if it's something you ought to be doing. If it goes on your already overloaded whack-a-mole to-do list. So this is just rubbish. It's not helpful at all. 
you might as well be spending more time avoiding the present moment. You know, more Netflix, more scrolling, more, I don't know, whatever you do to get out of your head and avoid the the present moment. Um, So many things, aren't there? Alcohol's a big thing and it's completely normal. Partly because I think that's just how we are as English people. I think we've just spent hundreds of years drinking. Um, and secondly, it's everywhere. If you if you look at drinking, the, the pouring a large glass of wine and knocking it back after a stressful day is pretty much embedded into a lot of television now. So that makes it quite difficult. Ah, the present moment. I just had to pause there and go and shut all the windows and doors because my neighbours decided to mow the lawn and... Yeah, you don't want that on this podcast, do you? Anyway, uh, where was I? Hmm. Oh, yes, the embedding of drinking of alcohol to get out of the present moment or, or to shift the experience of the present moment. It's just so embedded now, isn't it? It's just so normal. And uh, I'm not criticising that either. <laughs> you do what you want to do. I'm just, for me, it doesn't work anymore, alcohol. I used to enjoy a drink or several and have a lot of fun, but um, it doesn't work for me anymore. It stopped working at some point. And actually, I'm grateful for that because I want to really be in the present moment. I want to really enjoy my life and I want to be, I want a clear mind and I want my body to feel really, really good, really well. And alcohol really doesn't work for me. It might work for you. That's that's your business. But you need to, you need to tune into your own body and decide that. Anyway, mindfulness, problems with. When it's added onto your to-do list, that makes you feel worse. When it's used as a salve, a plaster, over a very stressful work environment, that makes me quite angry, actually. It's like this add-on. I remember, um, was it a year or two ago, it was in the paper, oh, mindfulness is going to be taught in schools, and people were going, this is brilliant, and I thought, no, this is a disaster. Because schools have everything loaded onto them. And a lot of schools, just it's the actual organisation that's creating the issues in the first place. So if you add mindfulness onto it, it's not going to help. And also, if teachers who don't practice, who don't have a strong practice of meditation and mindfulness are teaching meditation and mindfulness, it doesn't really work. I've seen videos where, you know, like advertising, oh, our school teaches meditation and and the teacher's literally walking around the classroom watching the kids meditate while she's put a video on and I'm not saying it's terrible I'm just saying it's not brilliant if you're going to teach this stuff walk the walk talk the talk don't make it a stick on add-on to cover up the crap so a lot of problems I have is where so for me it was in teaching that's where my burnout happened But that idea that it's okay to overload the teachers and then they're expected to teach the opposite of that. You you can't do it. You have to, most behaviours caught, not taught. So if you're walking around super stressed and then you're teaching mindfulness, but you don't practice it, it's just rubbish. It just doesn't work. At a subconscious level... The kids know. I mean, I used, I used to teach meditation, sneak it in, a bit of sneaky meditation in my maths lessons, but I have a strong practice of meditation and it was scary because, you know, they're a tough crowd, aren't they? 14 to 16 year olds. 
or even 11-year-olds because for me, teaching meditation was about actually meditating with them, which meant my eyes were closed. But taking that risk, that shows them because I was modelling the behaviour. And it had it was scary, but it had profound effects. I'd have kids coming back the next week going, oh, we've got to do that thing again, miss. That was amazing. And these were the... the actually, it had one of the greatest effects. Oh, maybe not the greatest effect on those kids, but they're the kids who will tell you. A lot of quiet kids won't tell you. They'll just smile at you, which is lovely. Um, so a lot of like the worst kids to teach would come back and they'd be the ones who benefited most from it, which was really cool. So there are... So as you can see here, I'm not criticising the use of mindfulness and meditation in Western organisations. I'm just saying it's how we do it. It's how we treat it. It's not enough to just use it as if it's some tool out of a toolbox to cover up the cracks in the way you're teaching your human beings, your people. And I hate the word human resources. I absolutely hate that. Who invented that? human resources literally (laughs) to be used up oh my god I hate it so people lovely lovely people in your organization if you treat them badly if you make it impossible for them to do a good job and be healthy and see their families you know and have fun and actually have a life if you keep piling crap onto them and make it impossible and then you add in mindfulness uh no stop it it's how we do things isn't it so going back to my experience that really strong memory of walking across my classroom and desperately every cell in my body screaming do not open that door do not let more children in not because I didn't want to see them I really liked them but I just needed a break man um but you can't just take a break can you there isn't it's not how schools are set up And the kids suffer from this as well. You can see when they desperately need a break. Anyway, if I had introduced what what I now know from training and reading more, studying more, it's the compassion. It's the self-acceptance. It's the kindness. It's the curiosity. It's the how we practice mindfulness. So we have a strong need to get rid of all discomfort in our life. But if we push away discomfort, that's unhelpful. It's more skillful to notice the discomfort, notice the unease, notice the exhaustion, notice the resistance to opening that door. If I had listened to myself then, if I had heard my body when it screamed at me and taken it more seriously, I mean, I was trying, but I wasn't, it's just it's such a difficult thing to do, isn't it? To, I mean, I'm a, a naturally rebellious person and I found it really hard to say enough with the pressure, enough with this constant unwellness because I'm overdoing it. It's really, really difficult in a society that's geared up for pushing, striving, shooting ourselves, orting ourselves, you know, we should be better, we should be able to do more, achieve more. And 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 we it's all about productivity and exhausting people, using up resources, including human resources, ourselves, our very lives, our energy, our health, our well-being, our 
our love. You know, we, we pour, a lot of us pour so much into our work and then we get our hearts broken because nobody's really paying attention to just, just how much we are pouring in. And, and that's probably, you know, I take full responsibility for that now, giving too much and expecting to be that to be appreciated. And, and learning to, to have healthier boundaries has been a big part for me about dealing with my own overwhelm. Because the overwhelm comes from just allowing um, lots of other people's demands to sit on my shoulders, to fill up my head. So now I'm much better at saying, uh-uh, no. But that, you know, that takes courage, takes practice, worth doing. So back to mindfulness. So mindfulness separated from this deep philosophy and practice of being in the moment and really noticing, but bringing in kindness, bringing in acceptance, this allowing rather than pushing. That makes a difference. Do you want to try it? Yeah, let's let's do a little practice now. Um, so wherever you are, don't make this a special occasion. I've been thinking a lot about mindfulness and meditation get screwed up by the need to make it a special occasion. And yes, it can be a special occasion. Yes, you can buy the cushions. You can do what you want. However, you can also do how I see it as supposed to be, although I don't like the word supposed because that's like another should ought. So to me, this is where I am at age 52 with my knowledge and experience and very intermittent, hilariously uh, (laughs) push-pull practice of yoga, meditation, mindfulness. Uh, You have to laugh at your own humanity, don't you? Um, This is how I see it. So you can sit on a cushion. You can get up early every morning and sit on a cushion and you can have a meditation practice. You can do that. And I've done that a lot. And I really, I'm really grateful for the practice of that, the discipline of that. And then you can get lost in it where it's like you want to achieve a state of calmness. You want to stop the thoughts in your head. You want something. You're striving, that pushing, pushing, pushing. You want things to be other than they are. And also you can have this amazing meditation practice. But what's it actually doing? You could be good at meditating, whatever that means, as a practice on a cushion for half an hour of the day. Or in each moment, you can use that practice to be more in the moment, to be more tuned into yourself, to notice the overwhelm, to notice the exhaustion and be kind to yourself. Because if we're not using the practice, it's like yoga, isn't it? You can go to a yoga class, and this isn't a criticism in any way, shape or form. But you can go to a yoga class, come away and feel great, and then that's it. Or you can go to a yoga class, and you can start to absorb what that practice is about, and how it allows you to live more skillfully, to, to notice how you feel, And to go about your day in a way that is more connected to yourself. So I see this as about a more integrated way. So we spend a lot of time in our heads. 
reading, scrolling, thinking, all that stuff, remembering, trying to change the past by going over and over it, or trying to control the future by pre-planning, and we miss out on our life. Or we can say, okay, we have these incredible brains, and at this point in human history, they have done a lot of cool stuff, but they are out of control. And when our awareness and all our energy is sucked into our heads, that's where the overwhelm happens. Overloaded mind. And you can push through that or you can stop pushing and notice how that's not much fun. Move your attention. Let's do it now. So notice that busyness in your mind, that tendency where the overwhelm's living. Feel all those pressures. You know, the noise around you. you could be listening to this with headphones on, but you know there's lots of demanding stuff around you. So move your attention into your body purposely. Start to take it down from the head. You can almost imagine, let's just track your awareness going from your mind in your head. You can kind of move it down through the mouth, down the neck. Into your shoulders, notice how your shoulders are feeling, notice if they start to want to move away from the ears, all on their own. Don't push them, just notice what's going on. Travelling down the central part of your body. And just rest for a second in your heart space, the centre of your chest, and just notice any physical sensations there. And then your mind is going to pull your attention away. So you're moving your attention, your awareness, up and down. So it gets sucked back into your head because that's where we tend to live. And then you can purposely move it back down. You just go down the spine if you want, into your centre of your chest. Just notice anything or nothing. And then you can notice that you have arms. And if you want to, if it's appropriate, you can kind of stretch your arms out. And as you do this, be really aware that you have arms. Get into your body. You don't need to schedule exercise to move your body. You can move it all the time. You could fidget. Let's just take it, make it really super easy. Move all of your attention into your right wrist. And then gently close your palm, maybe tucking your thumb in. Give your thumb a little cuddle with your fingers, but have a loose fist and then start to really slowly rotate your right wrist, but with all of your attention in the wrist. So you're just noticing any physical sensations in your wrist. Now you may notice, mine clicks then, clicky wrist. Just notice, be really gentle. So we can, when we move, there's different ways of moving, isn't there? So if you just put all your awareness in your right arm and just gently stretch it above your head. Now you can gently allow it to move towards the ceiling or the sky. Or you can push with all of your muscles. So you've got this like, like you're lifting a kettlebell. So just try that. Place all of your awareness in your right arm. Start on your right shoulder and then Gently allow your right arm to float softly towards the sky. Draw it back down again. And now clench your th fist and then just like push up with every bit of strength you have. Strong up towards the sky. Now while you're doing this, it's much harder for your mind to control your awareness. Because you're in your body. 
So you can do this at any time, just getting it out of your head into your body and noticing how you're moving, how you're holding your body, how much tension you're creating inadvertently. Because emotion, pushing, striving, blocking, not listening, forcing down tears, pushing through exhaustion and tiredness, doing something you really desperately don't want to do. When somebody crosses your boundaries, you can feel that physically. But but I do think that when we get overwhelmed, we lose that because we're so overwhelmed. We're so stuck in our head. We can't see the wood for the trees. That's literally overwhelm, isn't it? Too much stuff. Don't know what to do. To-do list is like has more things than you could do in your life ever. And most of them you don't actually want to do. So that's no way to live. But you don't know where to start. That's overwhelm. That's overwhelm is when you lose the ability completely to control where your attention's going. You're so overwhelmed. It's rubbish. There's no way to live. Just do something about it. Get out of your head. Just get into your body. So at the moment, maybe having a little bit of a gentle stretch. Feel where your body wants to move. Have a little bit of a fidget. And then we're just going to end with keeping your awareness in your belly. So if you want to, you can place both hands on your belly. So this is a really, this is a Zen practice actually, where you, um, as you go to sleep, you are sending your, you're keeping your awareness in your belly. Yeah, it's quite cool. Because it's really easy. I'm all for making things really easy. So don't add it to your to-do list. <laughs> just do it and see what it's like. And then when you forget to do it, just do it. This is the problem, isn't it? We, we have the best intentions of improving our life and then it goes on a stupid to-do list and then it, oh, I don't like my to-do list. And then you resent, end up resenting these things that would actually really help but are really easy but went on a damn to-do list. Depends how you are. Some people are mega ticker offers of to-do lists. But for me, too much overwhelm. Place both hands on your belly or if you are not in a position to do that, you can just place your awareness in your belly. Just notice any physical sensations in your belly. And this is a great time to allow your belly to soften if it wants to. And if it doesn't, that's okay. Just notice that soft belly or not. You can rub your belly if you want. Anything really to soothe your belly. Soothe your belly in and draw your attention away from your overwhelmed head. And you can do this at any point during your day. And this is mindfulness. But this is body mindfulness. And the reason I teach and love and use body mindfulness to move how, change how I move through my day is... Well, first of all, it saved me. After everything I tried, all my googling, everything... It was body-centred mindfulness. When I retrained as, as a Zen yoga teacher with Daisan Roshi, amazing guy, Zen master in London, it was that profound state of just getting into my body in a way that no yoga class had ever done for me before and none of my previous practices had done before. And just noticing. Huge hugely profound for me 
But I like to make it as simple as possible because I noticed that when I came back from my yoga teacher training with this huge thing, oh, I'm going to do two hours practice day. Because when you do yoga teacher training, it's mega full on. So we were doing six in the morning till nine at night. So the discipline and practice I had at the end of that, plus all the knowledge, was amazing. And I wanted to obviously bring that home. That's what we always do, isn't it? You go and... It's like when you go on holiday and you eat Greek salad and you come back and you want to make Greek salad. It's the same thing. You want to take stuff from somewhere and bring it back home, which is great, but it doesn't always work very well. And I ended up getting more in my head and very judgy about myself. So I ought to be doing an hour, um, two hours every morning of yoga and meditation. And it's completely not what I needed. And it took me quite a long time to accept that. But there's the practice self-acceptance so I'm about making it as easy as possible um and having been that route of of surfing that verge of breakdown very secretly very expertly for years I look back and think if only somebody had told me it was this easy you know you don't have to make a big deal out of it it's not a special occasion it just is the moment the, the moment's always here we that's where we live although that's where we're not living but it's where we, life is And just moving my attention into my body and noticing, being curious, the opposite of judgmental, being kind. Something I really needed to learn. Be kind to myself. If you want more kindness in the world, be kind to yourself because it starts with you. How we are in the world matters. How you are in the world matters. Every single person that you interact with, you can make a difference because it has a ripple effect. So be kind to yourself, tune in and just notice how you feel. Belly's a good place to be, right in the middle of you, very stabilising. Anytime you want to do this, just do it.